Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. This is Donia Keating. I'm your host. A little froggy after all the smoke here, but live from the Seattle area, it's about 1 p.m. Pacific time on Monday, August 7th. Listeners dial 602-753-1970. Christine will patch you in for live on-air questions or comments. And the way you let her know that you really want to talk to us is you press 1 on your keypad, and that's kind of like raising your hand. So there's also a chat option out there where people are kind of communicating with her and getting the questions to me, and she's doing it in moderation. So if you want the public to see your questions, then you have to let her know. Otherwise, it's just kind of a one-way channel I'm going to her. So today we are speaking with yet another candidate for <clears throat> City Council on Bainbridge Island. Uh, Wayne Roth is actually running for re-election in the Central Ward against Rasham Nassar. Um, and we have one more candidate I hear to interview, and he's checking his calendar. But we want to thank the community members um, who've reached out to candidates and pointed them our way, because in our opinion, this is just another way to engage and learn about where everyone stands on the issue. So um, just some basic housekeeping. Um, sharp elbows and strong opinions are fine. I have very thick skin, can't be ruffled very easily. Um, but the other thing about going sideways in here is that if it's not valuable to the conversation, Christine is just going to airlock you. So, I mean, save yourself the trouble and just uh, be an adult. So we're going to get started, move on over here to the studio lines and see who's available. Hello, is this Wayne? This is Wayne. Wayne, welcome. Yes, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I'm having too much going on. Yes, I'm here. Okay, great. Uh, We'll check and see who else is on the line while you get your house in order over there. Charles, uh, this looks like your number. Are you out there with us? I am out here. Great, great. So, um, Wayne, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, a little bit of your bio and your background? I I will. Let me ask you, are are you both uh, residents of Bainbridge? I think you are. We are. Yeah, I just just thought I'd get that. It's... Not specifically called out, so I just thought I would check it. Uh, What can I tell you? I've spent the last four years uh, running for and serving on the city council, and um, I've enjoyed it very much. I've learned a lot. It's a little bit like going to graduate school. Municipal government is one of those things that um, not everybody's attracted to. We all are attracted to politics, but, uh, but government is another story. In fact, I've always been amused that civics was a required course um, when I was in high school, and now I don't even know if it's a required course. It's a notion that people wouldn't even think of it unless it was required. Anyhow, uh, I'm in it. I've been in public service all my life. I spent uh, my professional career in public radio, um, and, um, you know, I like meeting people and working with people. I think I'm a pretty good collaborator. I think that's it for me. In a okay. Nutshell. Charles, you want to give us a quick uh, a quick sketch of you? So, yes. Um, so, Wayne, we've been on uh, Bainbridge Island. Uh, basically, uh, we came here into the area in 96, <clears throat> but we moved on to Bainbridge Island because we wanted our daughter to be in the school district because uh, it was the best school district in the, in the area. And so, you know, we're, we're strong proponents of Bainbridge Island and uh, trying to improve things. But we also have a background in tech. Um, I work in the technology field. I've helped run the Westtown Technology Association. 
and uh, we run the West Sound Coder Dojo as well. It's another charity initiative we've done. And, of course, we have our own businesses uh, in business and IT consulting. So that's my background. I don't usually talk about mine, but since you asked whether or not we were residents, I mean, I am a public policy or leadership management consultant, and I, I work all over the world. So um, for me, I mean, I, I live here, but I've never really felt like I was limited to this um, area. And so when we, when, when my company and my partners decided to start this podcast, <clears throat> sorry, the idea behind it was that we just wanted to have a conversation with people. I mean, and there are different parts of the show. You know, some of them involve politicians, some of them involve, you know, public issues, some of them involve things. Things like people that are deciding to um, quit their jobs and then burn their ships and start their businesses. So it's really just a lot of different things out there. And, um, you know, I've been in the public uh, arena all of my life. I have people in my family that are um, elected officials and so forth. And I've worked all, all, all sides of the aisle, which whether or not it, that causes consternation. So, you know, for me, this was just a really when people started contacting us and saying, hey, you know, this is another venue to hear from our city council candidates. I thought it was just kind of a no brainer. So. Um, you're running for re-election after finishing up your first term, and I'm assuming you're running again because you have more to do and you enjoyed your term. Um, but I'm actually curious, you know, taking it a step back, you talked about civics in school and so forth. You know, what was that one spark that made you decide to run for city council the first time around here? Um, well, I, uh, I've been active on the island as, as long as I've lived here, which is a little over 20 years. And, um, in fact, um, Shortly after I, we arrived, um, we helped form what was called the Bainbridge Resource Group. Maybe you heard of mm-hmm. it. Maybe you haven't. Yes. Um, Bob Fortner led the led the effort, but over the course of years, a number of people came and went, depending on the issues. And uh, notable among them was the move from a strong mayor to a manager style government. Um, increasing the fire commissioners from three to five. It's an awkward situation where if any two commissioners even ran into each other for lunch, they had a, a an open public meeting conflict. Um, right. A number of other things, the early, early look at the aquifer and water systems in the island. Um, uh, so I was involved in that and got to know a number of people uh, that way, uh, it's in my blood. I ran once for the state senate in Colorado um, 35 years ago. My father served, served in the state legislature in, in um, Colorado. <clears throat> when when uh, the last election came around, the the uh, one of the major issues was the shoreline management program and. Um, uh, Several people were running on that issue, and in the Central Ward, um, two people stepped up um, who were um, one a developer, another a former water systems manager, but uh, advocates for doing less, I think, with the update of the shoreline management program. By that, I mean... um, trying to resist some of those changes that the city and the Department of Ecology were trying to make. In any case, in the last day, one could register um, to become a candidate. Um, I noticed there were two people in in uh, the Central Ward race, and I made the decision we'd have a primary and entered my name, and I did that. And uh, the following Monday, one of the candidates dropped out. So we didn't have a primary, but um, it it became um, an interesting race because each there, there are three seats open in these years, and the North South Central Ward each had candidates um, who could be characterized generally as um, being against the the update, much of the update on the shoreline management program. And then three of us running, each independently. None of us had uh, Roger and Val and I uh, all came to it in different perspectives. But our opponents um, came together in a kind of slate, and um, a political action group was formed. And um, and that um, brought the three of us together, essentially, to be the other guys. 
and uh, and that so it turned out to be one of those uh, I'm suddenly elected to the council <laughs> deals where at first I thought let's just get a primary and talk about the issues. It was not that I didn't want to serve, but I certainly wasn't happy with uh, those who were running. I might add that um, uh, two years ago we had four seats open and only five candidates. Extremely disappointing. Uh, happily this year, three seats, six candidates, and um, I'm really pleased to have um, a good opponent. I just think it's uh, we as a community have to be a little embarrassed when we have three seats for the council with no opposition. Uh, I don't know. I just that just bothered me, and it wasn't that so, many of us didn't try to recruit people to run. I don't know what it is. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, it's a major commitment, but um, and people are busy. But um, I decided it was worth doing, and I'm glad I did. Well, thanks for doing it. I mean, I have a, there's a whole other show in there about the different um, uh, recruitment efforts that people have made to try to get me to run for office, and particular offices, and why I didn't run for those offices, and so forth, and my philosophy about why I don't do it. But um, you know, obviously, for people like you and others to step up to even put yourself out there, I mean, it really takes takes quite a lot. And then you go through a campaign, and then of course, when you win and you have to lead, that's another thing. So it it brings me to the question of what's different between now and when you first ran? In other words, what part of serving was different than what you expected, and what parts were according to the plan or what you expected? Well, um, the council was um, badly divided. Um, in fact, the three of us who won each were running on a good governance uh, platform, just broadly speaking. We had a council that was voting four to three, four to three, four to three, with the same four and the same three, and and firing city managers and um, violating open public uh, records acts and so on. And it was just a mess. Uh, right. It did not feel good. And um, uh, one of my expectations was that we could get seven us seven of us together to work in a more collegial and and, uh, and uh, open way. And I think that that was accomplished right away. Uh, there was no no difficulty there. Uh, we, we did not factionalize. I, I think the key there is that many people run on issues. Uh, I'm speaking popularly now, not just at city council, but all over the place at any elected office. So be an issue. This is particularly true in school boards. Um, but uh, I'm not uh, an issue-driven candidate. I feel that there's much to work on, and there are seven council members who must work together. They can each come at it with different experience and different opinion, but they must communicate. And if this sounds a little bit like the argument in Washington, D.C., well, it, it is the same. There's no across the aisle here as a nonpartisan form of government, but uh, human nature is human nature, and, and right. we really want, we want to be uh, respectful and friendly with those we work with, whether we agree on a position or not. And so the council currently, I think, are people all committed to um, good management of the city, good governance, and I feel that um, we've been quite successful. In terms of surprises, it, it is just what I mentioned before. I mean, not truly a surprise, but the order of, um, of what I needed to know, the, the amount, the depth, the depth and breadth. In fact, one of the reasons I decided to run for re-election is I've invested four years of my life, and I feel that I'm just at the point where I could be effective and knowledgeable enough to to uh, work well, work better, uh, get more things done. Uh, you could argue that the citizens of the city, the voters, um, I owe it, um, invested in me uh, to do this, and it seems that it's only appropriate that I try to uh, be better and do better work. So um, I've learned a lot, and I've, it's been a constant um, learning effort across not just the city, but 
the county, the region, um, all of those channels that one needs to know about, never mind state laws and codes and um, all of those things that, uh, in fact, direct how one governs and how one changes. A uh, lot to know there. So um, that's that's been... Uh, that's been fun. As my wife once said to me, uh, "This took a lot more, taking a lot more of your time than I thought it would." <laughs> Essentially, right. outside of having more control of my calendar, um, I do put in a number of hours virtually every day, and a lot of evenings and weekends. And again, if you enjoy people, enjoy meeting people, it's not all that burdensome. I find if I could just editorialize it. When people come to the table or send me a note and they're angry about something and it's whatever the reason, they just have their fingers crossed, their fingers, a big X saying, no, 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 they show up. They come to the meetings, the council meetings, they speak, they write, and, I, and as soon as they're engaged, the uh, majority of them, not all, but the majority of them are happy to be engaged. They want to know more of themselves. You get to know each other. Um, Pretty soon, many become advocates for what they opposed. It's a, uh, an advocate in a modified way. We can do it better, but it's but their opposition or their single-mindedness, yes or no, shifts. This is just human nature. That's extremely rewarding. I get a lot of pleasure out of that. Charles, you had some comments you wanted to uh, insert here. Uh, yeah, I wanted to so for, first off, Wayne, thank you for your service. Um, I think it can't be understated enough. It is a big job, and so many people, I think, um, don't give credit for that amount of work that's required and put in and, you know, be, appreciate the going in there, being willing to listen, and obviously learn on a diverse set of issues. It's not just one thing. But I think one of the things I think that comes up is, you know, people do get involved, and I think there's a lot of structure to the governance. And, by the way, I really liked your comment about the fire commissioners and having to increase the number of commissioners so that you didn't have to violate an open meetings act. Things like that are technical things that obviously people have to pay attention to. The other thing is I think people, when they say they're concerned about city governance, I don't always think of it necessarily as procedures and policies, although those have to be in place. But as much as I think they're concerned about the level of spending and, you know, like times are good and we're doing all these projects, but then certain things that they do want, like uh, may say improving roads and making making things safer, you know, things that are part of the city policies, aren't getting uh, the same amount of attention as you know, kind of like these nameplate projects, you know. And I, I for one one issue I was involved in was the municipalization of the electric utility. I thought that was like, wait, we don't want to spend our money there because we have all these other things we want to do. So that was something I think. Do you have some feedback about? what it looks what it's like when you're dealing with all these projects coming at you and people wanting you to spend money and how you kind of kind of rein that back a little bit and so that you know the the, the public interest is preserved uh well uh sure let's see this is uh, you know this is at the heart of any issue um the clash of values as i call it or the clash of our own sensibility um so I, we, we can talk about municipalization or, or power. We can talk about any number of things. Suzuki um, property and how, if or whether it should be developed, and if so, how. There are a number of, of things that um, the city has put some money in up front or put some resources, taken some initiative, as, as it were, to get the discussion started. Um, in the case of... Uh, We've just decided to put some money into a parking study, and uh, and there are many who, myself included, would say, you know, well, this is about the fourth or fifth parking study that's been done in the last decade, and and um, what is there to know about parking? And boy, that seems like a lot of money, and and so on. Uh, I've uh, here's what I got. Let's do talk about the municipalization part of this. Uh, I'm. I, outside of being a rate payer and uh, having some sensibility about how electricity is generated and how it's transmitted, transported, and brought to my meter, uh, you know, I'm generally ignorant of, of the regulate, regulatory and, and uh, business end of it. And the one thing the 
this uh, process did for me is that between the our own consultant's report, so-called feasibility study, and then the report that uh, PSE paid for and had done, were, uh, were loaded with information uh, without having to argue what's right or wrong, just knowing more about um, uh, the process and what it means to be a municipal uh, uh, power company. For instance, uh, small things. We know there are a lot of uh, municipal power companies in the state. Bonneville brought that forward. But, but I was amazed to learn that, uh, as people would talk about, we don't have the size, we don't have the customers. Bainbridge would have been, if it had become one, would have been the third largest municipal in the state after Tacoma and Seattle. I think um, I think it's that to me was quite interesting. Um, other aspects that detracted me were uh, what, in fact, local control means in it, uh, especially as we talk about working with PSE or the future of, of power generation and renewable resources. Uh, so I, I got a I got a lot out of that. In the end, the council voted no, but the, my no vote was about not putting it on a ballot. It wasn't a no vote against municipal power. I feel that uh, that's still a topic worth discussing, uh, maybe not right away, but um, the, notion, the notion that somehow the city's now charged to deal with PSE and make things right, bring our, bring our power, um, make it greener, use more re renewable resources, you know, that it's a... We're at the tip of the tail of this animal in terms of influencing this large municipal, uh, this large uh, um, investor-owned utility. And I think it's, it's going to be done with a combination of resources, including the city, the county, the region, uh, ratepayers, and other users throughout uh, the country, frankly, as we address the issue of coal generation and other things like it. And to the extent there are some city policies that could change, um, good. I think we can all approach it in a better way. But I felt because power is so essential to our life, you know, well, there's water and then there's power. I guess we'll take water first, but right after the way we've made our lives in the society is power. If we can't have power, we can't live. We can't do anything. We can't get our garages open. It's a sad state in some ways. So, so this to me is a critical issue, not just green, but just how we control it. And so I like the idea of a, of a locally controlled municipal utility. I don't know if it's feasible. I don't know if it's practical. I know that it's a very hard time for anybody to be in the power generation business, any entity, because of the pressures on uh, climate change and the other things that we absolutely must address. And all of us, all of us who consume electricity are going to have to pay more, much more, more for water, more for power, more for those essential, essential things. Whether we do it um, collectively or individually, whether we do it by uh, the city or the county or the state providing um, uh, mechanisms that allow uh, those with more difficulty to pay uh, a way to do it and, and the larger um, consumers, uh, uh, in other words, rates adjusted according to ability. I don't know. I don't know any of that. But I, the status quo uh, is just not going to last. And I'm, I'm not a young man, but even in my lifetime, I see a pretty dim future unless we act and act uh, quickly. So in that way, how is this for a long answer to your $100,000 question? I felt the investment was a good investment. Uh, I benefited quite a bit, and I feel other members of the council and the community did as well. So you voted to proceed with the study. 
you ultimately joined the rest of the council in a 6-0 vote against proceeding, your reason being um, that you didn't feel it should go to a ballot vote. Um, you've already expressed that you thought it was a good idea and that there were some circumstances apparently under which you revived that issue. But now that you're running for re-election, and it's obviously something that a lot of community members are looking at as an issue, um, what actions would you take going forward if you're re-elected? I mean, would you, do you have a criteria in mind that you would use to assess and evaluate PSC's progress? Um, how would you determine the status of whether or not to renew their franchise agreement? Would you go so far as to require them to drop a current lawsuit against the Department of Ecology? I mean, where do you stand on this issue going forward? Well, I'm not smart enough to take a specific stand on that. I I mean, I'm just not. This is the point. Um, We're going to have to rely on on the expert opinion of staff, of many people, to come to those points when we get to the point of the franchise, which is beyond my term I'm running for, uh, but we, I think the city, to the extent we can preserve some continuity, uh, you know, four years from now, we could have a new city manager, a new council, uh, and it's, um, you know, it's Groundhog Day, and um, one of the key things in government is trying to look beyond one's term. Uh, very tough for politicians to do that, uh, but I'm very much oriented to thinking, taking the long view and um, so my interest, you ask, what would I do? Well, my interest is to keep this on the table and to begin to formulate exactly what kinds of tools and, and, and how the city and ratepayers uh, might approach the upcoming uh, uh, franchise agreement in the longer term. In the short term, how we can stay at the table with the various, various organizations uh, wanting to get a uh, more renewable power generation. Uh, and that, to me, is a more immediate issue. Well, it sounds like in some ways that you're saying, you know, your role is going to be the facilitator of all of this input, and and that is certainly a part of being uh, an effective leader. But people are electing you. They're not electing all of those other voices. So that's why I asked you the question about, you know, what would be your position? And I appreciate your honesty, frankly, um, that you don't have an answer and that you're just on that path of trying to to get one. Because I think sometimes the temptation in these campaigns is to pretend like you're going to do this and you're going to do that, and that becomes the sloganeering that gets people to give you the vote, and and then it it doesn't happen that way. But specifically, I mean, what are your thoughts about the Green Direct and Solar Choice? I mean, those are two of the things that PSC has put on our table, so to speak, as a community. I mean, have you looked at any of those programs and formed an opinion about whether or not that at least puts us on the path towards what we claim we want to do? Well, the the PSC offered the city a chance to buy in on its green alternatives, and then Uh, As we were getting through it, we missed our opportunity. All of the Ah. ability to do that is gone. Um, But uh, had the timing been different, I'm sure that the city would have pursued that. Uh, I I, I don't, to to your question about um, what's my position for your vote, I'm I'm just not very interested in that discussion. I, I I can tell you, um, I'm not meaning you personally, but if I meet someone who says, uh, are you for the bridge over 305 or against it? Because if you're for it, I'm not voting for you. And I said, okay. You right. know, I mean, that that's uh, you take down everything else I might do that I you do support. And so this is what I'm trying to do with people, to think beyond the fact that we're not going to agree on everything nor can we do everything. Uh, Charles was talking about being uh, the finances and what we do with uh, the money we generate from tax sources and other sources in terms of our own priorities. And that, to me, is absolutely up to those who um, are most active in our community to come forward and give some guidance. It's not up to me uh, or six others to um, know what's best. Uh, I have lots of, I, I mean, I have, a, I have a half a dozen things we could talk about that very much come down to that. Uh, transportation is the top. I mentioned water. I mentioned power. Transportation's right there. Number three, because of the nature of our city, uh, we're very automobile dependent. There's just no way around it. 
virtually everybody owns a car. Most have a driver's license. Um, how we manage transportation, public transportation, non-motorized transportation, how we move people around. If we have affordable housing uh, for people who are, are not as wealthy, uh, how are they going to get to and from where they need to be from their affordable home? Uh, transportation is just so key um, to what we want to talk about. We're now investing, the city is investing in a um, corridor study of 305. It's just one of the many transportation things we're looking at, but uh, we are sharing that cost up front um, to get some consultant advice on how to spend 30 plus million dollars that'll come our way uh, for corridor improvements in 2019. So uh, that that's an example. So transportation, I mean, we haven't even gotten to what you would consider some of your core issues. And, and you mentioned transportation. You mentioned affordable housing. With transportation, we have a lot of theories about, you know, ways to do it and studies that are that are pending and so forth that might give us some kind of direction. But do you have any ideas or recommendations or initiatives that you support or that you would even start to talk about um, beyond the ones that we currently have to try to deal with our transportation issue? Uh, say your question again. You're looking for other other issues besides transportation. No, actually, the question is, you know, I oh, know that there's a study that's pending and stuff. But what what are your specific thoughts yeah. or recommendations about what you would do or recommend regarding uh, transportation and how to alleviate some of those issues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, how to how to make it easy for someone to not drive somewhere. You, you can't, we have enough affluence in this island that there's really no disincentive to driving. We could put meters on the street. We could charge for parking. Uh, it, the, the impact on, on the city would be nil, and the, just fewer people who can't afford to park would come to town. So we, the, my main interest is moving people out of their cars, not all the time, but to get around. So we have a number of things. <clears throat> Most people don't even know Uber is available uh, and active on the island, but there's going to be other um, rideshare and and apps that will make it possible for someone living up by um, by Battle Point to look and see. Well, they want to go down into Winslow and. They've signed up for the registry, and here's a neighbor a block away that's going to be going, and you just you, you carpool down for that day. You do your business, and you go home or moving kids to school. If you go on Sportsman Club Road um, uh, around school mornings or evenings, you have one parent per car lined up forever to drop them off at Woodward or Sakai and um, uh, so we talk about safe routes to schools. Uh, you look at the Winslow Corridor, the triangle that you can put in all the schools, the high school, um, uh, that's shaped pretty much along the Sakai and high school boundary. And you make, you make it really easy for kids to ride bikes or walk uh, in those areas. By easy, I mean very safe pathways, well-lighted, so parents can feel their kids are safe, and maybe they drop them off further away. or You know, there are a number of ways to get at this that would get people out mm -hmm. of their cars. And frankly, as a kid, I would rather ride my bike. I think many would. Uh, that's, that's something we're working on. We're, we feel we can get some funding for it, probably through the infrastructure uh, ballot measure, we talk about uh, many, many multimodal improvements there, uh, including the Core 40, uh, just getting from Day Road to Linwood, uh, getting through Wyatt Way in the head of the bay, uh, getting up Sunrise Drive, uh, just walking a dog on Ferncliff uh, without having to be in the middle of the lane. Uh, are all things that I think are will move people out of cars sometimes for 
reasons that they now feel they need to drive. And uh, uh, so I'm very much in favor of enhancing in every way we can uh, safe roads, pathways, bike lanes, um, separated sidewalks, uh, improving and just making it easier and harder for people to um, resist uh, getting out on foot. That's one thing. The other, as I mentioned, is any way we can carpool, ride share, um, just think differently. We're a progressive community. Our sons and daughters, my son is 27 years old. He grew up here, went through the Bainbridge schools. He lives in Wallingford now. He has never owned a car. He wouldn't think of owning a car. He, he, has, the, he has the cars you can um, swipe your chip and drive from point A to point B. He rides the bus. He's got a good bus pass. So, uh, so public transit is the other issue, um, working with Kitsap Transit and um, ways we can put together really good um, ride circuits outside of the ferry commute times that are convenient. The BI ride was a start. It's okay. It works pretty well for a number of people. There's a lot of ignorance still. People don't know you can use it as a door-to-door service if you're patient. Um, But again, it's getting to this level of moving people out of their cars. The last thing I would say is on 305, I'm working hard on this one. And by the way, that that coalition is the county, Kitsap Transit, the tribe, Polsbow, and Bainbridge. <clears throat> and um, no, the road's not going to be widened. There's no interest in widening 305. Even if there were a bridge that were four lanes wide, there's no interest or need to, to widen the road. If you, if you put in a new bridge and widen it to the equivalent of four lanes, you'd just really be putting together safe, lanes for pedestrians and bicycles and so on, uh, with maybe a little wider um, passage for automobiles and trucks with a, with a bigger bridge. But there's no bridge anywhere near in the future. So what, what the kinds of things I look at is if you're, a, if you're a, somebody who drives and parks at the ferry terminal, um, I want you to think you can get across the bridge faster in a bus than driving. And how do you do that? Well, I don't know exactly. People talk about a reversible lane or jump lanes or any number of things that might widen 305 a bit, but not not widen the traffic lanes. Uh, I don't know what those are, um, but there are devices, light timing, there are a number of things that can be done by the way, here's an interesting little factoid. It's actually more of a fact than a factoid. 80, 78% of the people who get off the ferry do not cross Agate Passage Bridge. In other words, one in five cars off the ferry go across the bridge. The rest are folks staying on Bainbridge, to and from Bainbridge. So most of the 305, we want to look the other way. Oh, all those folks who drive through the island. No, it's us. So the other issue is how do we keep that that's, road? That's interesting. Well, is there a study that – because I, I do a lot of work with KRCC, and I remember back when they were saying, you know, when they were looking at the traffic, 305, and the increased traffic obviously going to the ferry, and they were saying, hey, the majority – some people were arguing that the majority of people that were on the roads going to and from the ferry were actually not islanders. So I think it's interesting that you're, you're it, citing a fact that from a study I, that um, says I, I just the opposite. I was quite amused by that. Um, yeah. You know, this is reading of license plates. This wouldn't count people on buses, but the ferry system itself reads the license plates, and it has what they call a departure, a departure um, uh, database. So they read your plate on the ferry, and they read your plate the other side of the bridge. And right. that's where they, that comes from. And it just came last month from, um, what month is Yeah, late July we had our 305 meeting. We've hired a consultant. Uh, who is going to pull these data together so we can look at them and decide what, uh, by the way, these $30 million are going to be spent just in safety improvements, just as a way to to make the road safer for everybody. Um, For instance, um, I I keep going down these digressing paths, but 
you live in Westport, Madison. There are times today you can't get into Winslow without risking your life. Uh, the right. last fatality we had was someone coming out of the uh, Seabold trying to turn left on the 305, going north and got T-boned. Um, that intersection is just terrible. And we think we could improve that probably by closing Seabold. This hasn't been proposed. It's just an idea. And then you can have an a acceleration lane the way you have at Agate Point for Westport Madison. There are things like this that we could do with this that might help with safety. But the transit issue is the other key thing is making r folks who are crossing over the bridge really want to get on the bus because it's better for their time and planning. So these are the kinds of things that are out there. Uh, but how do we cross 305 if, you, if we live in the island? How do you get across High School Road safely, um, Sportsman's Club, Day Road? Uh, there aren't as many pedestrians as you get north, but the Day Road area is increasingly more populated. Um, and it just seems that there, uh, there's more we could do to make everybody feel safer. I, one more thing. I mean, I, you know, this is what I do, so I'll just talk for a minute. People, we have these clashing values about increasing bike safety. So let's just take Miller Road to Fletcher Bay to Linwood Center, and you're coming down there in a bicycle. And now we have already some money to improve Miller Road, widen the bike lanes only as the shoulder, uh, to five feet on both sides uh, from from uh, well, a portion of Miller Road. It's, I'm forgetting, does it start at uh, Tolo and goes up to Peterson? But <clears throat> ultimately, Core 40 would have this wider all the way. One of the things that having a wide shoulder does is it makes it easier and safer to drive and um, those who tell me, oh, I never walk, I never ride a bike, why should I pay for something to widen a bike lane? And I'd say, well, uh, November, in the rain, in the dark, in the morning, you're going to be really happy to know those bicyclists and pedestrians are well out of your way. Not that you aren't watching for them, but there are places where, especially as you get to Linwood Center, there you have about a shy factor of about a foot it's very, very dangerous. Um, well, but the other know, part of we... it is, the other, I just say the other part of it is, a lot of trees will have to come down along that, along that corridor. That was my next point. That was my next point. It is, I mean, but it, you're trying, to, are, you're trying the... to balance issues here, and you're talking about transportation. Um, you're talking about bike lanes. Um, you're talking about roads that have better shoulders. Um, you're talking about, you know, the parking lot issue that we discussed and the overpass issues because people are trying to get, we're getting some chats in about, you know, what's the position, what's the position. And then we're also talking about, you know, carpooling or slugging and programs and apps that are out there where communities can actually play more of a role in that and find out, like you said, you know, carpool. If somebody's going somewhere, stay off the road. The other part was about the schools and bus and transportation. And I know for our, you know, for our own experience, I mean, we, our kid is not necessarily going to school during school time. There are before and after school programs that impact a lot of parents that are on the road for that reason. And so there's a, that's a whole separate conversation that needs to take place because obviously the better your educational system is, the more before and after school programs you're going to have and the more those kids are going to get involved. So you, you're really going to have to start dealing with that as well. Um, but I wanted to jump really quickly to something that, came through the wire just now is it, it talks about your website how there's not much on your website um, my guess is that you plan to update that soon so voters know your thoughts but there are three quotes that my producer did find that we wanted to mention and that is my work for Bainbridge Island demonstrates a strong commitment to good governance and enthusiasm for the civic affairs of our city another one was there's much to know about the workings of local government and I've gained a considerable education over the last three plus years I will bring relevant experience and leadership to a second term and the third one was, we want leaders who listen to our concerns, conduct business in an open manner, and plan for a thriving and livable city. So the inference in all of those quotes is that you're bringing more experience to the position than your opponent, but there's also sentiment in the community that it's time for new blood or fresh ideas, and you know, several of the um, people out there have mentioned that your opponent has a young child and that that holds appeal for them. But I would just say to you as a question, I mean, what would you identify um, as your core campaign issues, you said 
um, affordable housing, you said transportation, um, you talked about uh, power and the environment and, and um, emissions and so forth. Um, so what are some other ones that you want to bring forward now that you're on the air that people can understand more about what you're interested in doing in your second term? Uh, well, water, uh, water management. Okay. Uh, we're committed. Um, the council has uh, has uh, declared its interest in doing an island-wide water management uh, program, and um, it's not going to happen as quickly as we'd like. But the environmental technical committee has agreed to uh, put this on. And once it once we finish with the um, Critical Areas Ordinance. Um, this is um, this is the hardest one of the hardest ones to talk about because everybody has a different is, is touching the elephant in a little different place. Um, uh, but obviously, as much water as we can retain on the island, we want to retain, and as much as runs off, we want it to be as clean as it can be. And to the extent there's natural waterways and streams, we want them to be ecologically healthy and happy and restore some uh, wildlife. Uh, so, so doing that in an, in an area where the city is, yeah, we're, what, 20, 25 years old as an incorporated area. Man, um, this is a big piece of real estate in the county. There's so many homes and septic systems and things that were done in the county way. Um, there are boundary adjustments and right-of-ways. There's so much complexity. When it comes to private property rights and how one uh, looks at low-impact development, stormwater management, um, all of the things that are so important, again, thinking long-range with the water quality and um, availability on the island. So that's very important to me. And um, uh, I'm, I'm quite interested in that. Non-motorized, multimodal, uh, extremely important. Uh, housing of all kinds. Uh, I just got a real estate mailing, and I suspect we all did if we get the Bainbridge Islander, um, uh, showing that in, in, in August, the average sale price of a home was just under a million dollars. I'm sorry, the... Yeah, the average and the median was 825. Well, all right, affordable housing. So suddenly we talk about a 1,200 square foot or a 900 square foot house for under 400,000. There we go, market affordability. It, things have gotten so skewed on this that we have to be able to round up what it is we're talking about, whether it's permanently affordable, whether it's um, uh, units that are built that are initially market affordable, uh, as, as has happened in some places. Long-term versus short-term rentals, to me that's probably at the top of the issue, is the increasing trend to short-term rentals. There's so many desirable small homes, ADUs, other things on this island that just in a snap can be over on Airbnb. Uh, and and they've just taken out of the long-term rental market. So there's, there isn't any one answer to this. Uh, Suzuki, I've said from the beginning, is an advocate from the beginning, um, going back to 2015. People are going to go buy this in the years to come, going to go buy that property and say this is just the best. This is the best example of what we can do in terms of developing urban property and having affordable, diverse communities, sustainable communities, affordable rentals. I mean, I just think we can do it there. Um, so would you, I, I would live, you have some type of – would you help Avenue, to pass Bainbridge something? Bainbridge Landing is about to be built. Okay, I was going to bring up things like that. And what would you do as, a, as an elected official regarding ADUs? I mean, would you advocate for something, or are you saying that you support ADUs? Would you do something to bring them up the code? What would you oh. do? Because Bremerton just had an issue with that that just kind of tanked, tanked that initiative, in other words, in terms of trying to alleviate their rental market. But what would we do here on Bainbridge to do that? Well, well, ADUs are very important, and we, we increased by ordinance from 800 to 900 square feet. Uh, but but the question is owner occupied um, primary residence uh, whether or not ADUs can be condominiumized and this is a very 
sensitive issue because that then that takes away the notion of what an ADU is supposed to do. So there's right. still a lot to look at, but um, uh, I think that we could build quite a lot of units. And by the way, I got back to the transportation. Great, we've got a really nice, affordable unit in Westport, Madison. How do you get anywhere from Westport, Madison, if you're just able to afford a thousand dollars a month rent? So, so we really need to look at the Winslow Core and, to to a certain extent, the other uh, neighborhood service centers, but mostly Winslow, where you can walk to public transportation and you can move around. And um, the price of real estate here going up. Um, how how we can buy publicly or look for public opportunities to buy property so we can have the land trust model for the ground to build or to have units on, I think are all the questions we need to approach on that. Well, if you're talking about buses and transportation um, and getting people to ride buses, I mean, we've lived in cities and so forth. They're definitely going to have to do something about that lane because, I mean, usually when you go to different cities or whatever, they have bus lanes so that they don't have to sit in the same traffic as the average commuter. And if a bus is sitting there just along with a car, then you're just edging along. And for a lot of these people, they're already commuting, you know, for hours a day going back on the ferry. So time is money, and they want to be with their families. So you have to find a way to, um, you know, get them. If you want them to use public transportation, you have to certainly make it more appealing. That's for sure. Charles, you had some thoughts that you wanted to add to the water discussion. We think we probably have about um, about five minutes left, so keep that in mind when you're bringing up that topic. Well, I was going to say it kind of ties into a larger thing, and and uh, Roth, you know, there there's pros and cons to so many issues. So I think what people really want to know is kind of like how you think about making decisions rather than necessarily where you stand on issues. You know, that's, that kind of drives it. Like, for instance, we'll take a couple things related to affordability and water. Like, for instance, you know, trying to designate Bainbridge Island sole source aquifer, but understanding that if you drill your wells deep enough, you're tapping into an Olympic aquifer that actually crosses the Olympic Mountains. So, you know, we're worried about conserving water, managing water. Of course, we should always do that. But I think thread that kind of comes behind this is a lot of people want to stop or greatly limit development and so there's a lot of contentious battles and uh, even if even the affordable housing kind of ties into this it sounds nice you certainly want to have affordable housing so your policemen your firemen your school teachers can afford to live in this community and yet at the same time people benefit like you say that average hail price of a house 800 over eight hundred thousand dollars well they want to see their property inflate, but to make their property inflate also means restricting, you know, supply. And if you try to increase supply by creating more affordable housing, that kind of goes counter to what I think some people want. So they say they want affordable, but I think it's really we got to think more holistically about the whole community. If we try to stop growth, we actually harm the community because the schools start suffering, they can't get new students in, a lot of different things start happening. So I think that's the it's kind of the, the holistic approach we're looking for to looking at the problems and being able to have people that say, look, we do know the facts. Here are some of the things that you're going to have to consider, just like you know, being willing to lose some trees so that a shoulder can be widened I think is a good trade-off. And uh, I, I come from Chicago, so I know about wide shoulders and, uh, and how they improve safety, at least in that respect. It gives you some place to go if somebody's crossing the line. you got a shoulder to go into instead of a ditch, for instance things like that, and uh, I think uh, that's where, where we're kind of looking for. We're looking for some of those things that you've listened to and maybe seen behind the scenes some of the information so that you have a, another way of trying to engage the community. Speaking of engaging the community, Wayne, what is what would you say? I mean, is it your website? Is it your Facebook page? What's the best way to keep track of what you're doing from now to November? Facebook is um, is our primary uh, vehicle. You're right. We've not. Uh, we just put our ore in and put both up, but uh, it'll probably be later this month, first of uh, September, before I begin to put up some of my. Um, I'm going to put together. I have already drafted uh, uh, something. I'm going to be putting up on my Facebook page. The number one thing under our guiding principle of the comprehensive plan, the number one is uh, 
preserve the special character of the island. So uh, that's the top of what it is. Everything we should do should address that. And we all agree, those of us who worked so hard on the comp plan, that's our number one point of our guiding principle. Now, what is the special character of the island? And I've got 12 points, I think, to find, uh, and there are many that people could talk about. That's what I want to do is get a little dialogue going on. Here's a dozen, I think, that say what is special about where we live. And then under each, I want to talk a bit about what I am doing or would do um, in each of those areas. So that that's my kind of broad basic. Uh, and and uh, let me just say one more thing about this growth. I have to. The, the Comprehensive Plan and the Growth Management Act doesn't, say we can stop growth. It says we must, by law, accommodate growth. You know, it, how we grow is the issue. It's not stopping growth, commercial or residential. It is how we accommodate it. And that is where I'm focused. I think we all are in the council. I don't think there's any debate there. But there are some who would like us to be Carmel by the sea, and that's fine. And I know there are people who think that way. Close the door. I grew up in Colorado. I've been there. I just know this notion. Oh, great. I'm in Boulder. I'm in Paonia. I'm in Telluride. Close the door. No, we have to accommodate growth. And um, we're going to do it as best we can. So for those that are listening that were looking for that uh, Facebook page, you would have to go into Facebook. And then it's Wayne Roth for Bainbridge Island City Council. And that would take you to that Facebook page. I don't have the URL for the website. Um, offhand, I know Chris has it, but um, that's another, and that's something that's going to be updated soon. That's another way. And then, of course, I would assume that that's how you're also communicating where you're going to have your coffees and your meetings and your opportunities for citizens to show up and kind of ask you some questions and engage with them as well. Correct? Correct. Good. Okay, and then I know there was one more comment here that kind of went back to the housing thing. We've talked about it before. Someone said you can't force developers to build something where they're not going to have a return on their investment. So we can talk about affordable housing as much as we want, but the bottom line is that if they can't find some way to make a profit on what they're building, they're going to opt for um, green before they opt for building affordable housing unless we have some type of uh, code or some type of a policy that we implement as a city to tr try to force that issue, similar to what other cities have done. So do you have any quick comments on that? We've got about a minute left. Just that it's an extremely difficult question. Um, nobody's going to be forced anything. I think the key is uh, for government to work hand-in-hand -hand with property owners, developers, and, and buyers, and, and everyone to say, how can we all make this work? You know, if, if, you're, if you really don't care about your community, you're in it to make money and get out, there's there's not a lot we can talk to you about, and we know that happens. But we have some folks in this island who develop property, who own property, who are very interested in making it work. And uh, that's how we're going to get and find these incentives to, to add units and to make it, make it more accessible to many. Okay, great. Um, Charles, do you have any final thoughts? I've got about 30 seconds here, and then I'm being told I have to wrap up. No, I think, Wayne, again, thanks uh, for your service. And we know it's a complicated, interlocking kind of conversation. And we hope to continue that conversation and keep uh, bringing more information to the table so that good decisions can be made. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm really pleased you're doing this. I, I am a journalist. I've been in journalism all my life. And I lament the fact that we, we lack a uh, local newspaper. Uh, with any journalism, government is better if it has a watchdog that does good journalism. And um, I encourage everybody to renew their subscription to The Sun, give them the <laughs> most they can do. They're all we have, um, and uh, unless there's a shooting in the harbor, and then somebody in Seattle will pay attention to us. So we've got to, we've got to support people like you and others who want to keep the dialogue going, the journalism going. Government's only as good as its watchdogs. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Oh, I guess that's my uh, cue. So I want to take a moment here to uh, obviously thank you for tuning in this afternoon. Uh, this podcast that you're listening to starts off live, but um, now it's on our website, and you can get that in uh, 
iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, some other places are starting to pick it up, I hear. Also on Facebook, obviously, at our page at STR8 Talk Radio. That's Sammy Tommy Roger, the number eight, and Talk Radio is the way you look that up. Really appreciate Wayne Roth and Charles taking the time to engage with the community this afternoon. We will be back on Wednesday, same time, with North Ward candidate uh, Kevin Federley. He's been kind of quiet, so it'll be good to hear from him. This is Donia Keating. I'm signing off at about 1.59 on Monday, August 7th. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.